with the third pick in the 2021 NFL Draft, the San Francisco 49ers select Trey Lance, quarterback, North Dakota State. And it is the Bison. Welcome to the 49ers Access Podcast. My name is Sterling Bennett, and this is episode number 35 of the podcast. And wow, does it make me happy to hear Trey Lance from North Dakota State was the number three overall pick. It definitely helps when your prediction ends up becoming truth and becomes uh, becomes what actually happens in life. And uh, Trey Lance was the only quarterback I ever mocked. Uh, to the San Francisco 49ers. I wasn't anti-Justin Fields. I wasn't anti-Mac Jones, although I have made my case uh, to not pick those players and to pick Trey Lance in previous shows. Um, but I love the pick of Trey Lance. The The pick gives a lot of optimism going forward for the franchise and a fan base that has been pretty much through hell over the last eight months of the 2020 season, uh, losing uh, in the Super Bowl over a year ago, and again, it just, when you heard the name Trey Lance, or maybe you saw it on Twitter, uh, I'm sure a lot of you smiled, and if you didn't smile, maybe because you were in the Justin Fields camp, I, I do think eventually you will have a reason to smile with the Trey Lance pick, and hopefully he can win you over, Ho- hopefully he's someone you can get behind Eventually, again, I don't know how you feel about it. I would love to know how you feel about it. If you want to tell me how you feel about it, uh, you can go on Twitter and Instagram. Twitter is at 49ers underscore access. Instagram, 49ers.access. Uh, DM me, comment on, on any of my posts. Tell me how you feel about the Trey Lance pick. I know it's been over a week since the pick happened. Uh, I have to work. I have to make <laughs> money to survive in this world, which is why this podcast kept getting pushed back and back and back. But I'm really excited to, today to discuss with you the Trey Lance pick. Let's go over the Niners' entire draft. I'm not going to dive into each pick, although I, I will give very kind of like small thoughts on each on each draft pick, each player. Um, I do want to discuss the timeline of Trey Lance. That's kind of the big conversation now of, okay, you've made the pick. Now when will we see Trey Lance play in the NFL? And we will get into the Niners possibly adding some secondary depth uh, throughout the season or maybe even in the next week or so to kind of help them this year because despite drafting three secondary pieces, the secondary is still uh, one of the big question marks due to injury, due to maybe some inexperience as to what this team looks like going forward. So with that all being said, uh, let's jump into each pick uh, of the 2021 49ers draft class. Again, third overall pick, Trey Lance. I'm going to dive into this more, but I've also d- uh, dove into him plenty over the last month or so. Uh, Trey Lance, great pick. I love the pick. If I had to, I'd give it an A+. Plus. This, and that's not just me being biased. If this was a Mac Jones pick, it would have been a B-, minus, uh, maybe a C+. Plus. Um, again, let's give Trey Lance time. He is far from an, a, a finished product. He's been working relentlessly to... Uh, improve his mechanics, to improve his motion, to improve his accuracy, which were his biggest knocks of him in college. Um, But I love this pick. He is someone who, he's not only smart, but he's physically talented, obviously. He can run the ball. He's, again, that Josh Allen archetype, that John Elway archetype. Uh, When we had Matt Barrows on the week, or the couple days after the trade, up to number three, 
uh, he mentioned that this was the chance for Kyle Shanahan to get his John Elway. And I'm not putting that on Trey Lance's shoulders, but it does seem like the archetype that is John Elway, uh, or, or the archetype of John Elway can easily be looked at and say, okay, this is Trey Lance. This is, you know, this, this is Kyle Shanahan getting his John Elway in the form of Trey Lance. And one thing I want to dispel for a second here is that Everyone wants to say Kyle Shanahan loves pocket passers and that he didn't draft one this year. Uh, I would have to disagree. Um, Trey Lance is very much a pocket passer. Mac Jones is the pocket passer, if that makes sense. Like He, he doesn't get out of the pocket as much uh, as a Lance or a Fields uh, would be able to. Uh, he isn't as athletic. He can't beat you with his legs you know, like Lance and Fields can. And so I understand the archetype of Mac Jones is a pocket passer, but to, I don't want to say, like, limit Trey Lance or Justin Fields, uh, but Justin Fields and Trey Lance were also very successful in the pocket, and because the Niners picked Trey Lance, there's kind of been this notion of he isn't a pocket passer, that Kyle Shanahan got his mobile quarterback, and albeit Trey Lance very mobile, he had over a thousand rushing yards in college, um, and, you know, he had multiple touchdowns on the ground, it wasn't like he was only a pocket passer, but to say that he's a mobile quarterback, while it doesn't, to a certain degree, it could make people think that he isn't able to throw inside the pocket, when in fact, Trey Lance is a phenomenal pocket passer, and again, the knock isn't his arm strength, the knock is the accuracy, and over the course of his year off of taking the entire 2020 season off besides one game, he isn't working on the mechanics with Quincy Avery and John Beck to kind of fine-tune his accuracy um, and get the ball out quicker, get the ball out with more consistency. And I think we will find that uh, the idea of this mobile quarterback, while very true in Trey Lance's case, he is a, a prototypical pocket passer. He's going to stand tall, he's going to evade the pressure, He's going to load up and sling the ball 70 yards down the field. And Kyle Shanahan's not going to be wary of his pocket presence. He's going to feel very comfortable knowing that, yes, he does have the ability to run. But when he's asked to be in that pocket 80% of the time, he's going to be highly effective and very successful. Uh, just like Fields probably will be and Mac Jones likely will be in New England, like, Trey Lance isn't just a mobile guy. He's also a very efficient pocket passer. Moving on to the second round, the Niners traded back with the Raiders of all teams uh, and then eventually drafted Aaron Banks, the right guard from Notre Dame. Um, there's been kind of this, I don't want to say inconsistency, but to a certain degree, there are a lot of people who disagree with this pick. Um, a lot of people think this was a reach by the Niners. Probably could have got him in the third round. Um, maybe with the Ambry Thomas pick, maybe in the fifth round, but likely in the fourth round was kind of where Banks was going to level out. Um, so there were a lot of people who didn't agree with this pick a lot. I mean, I'm someone who, I mocked Asante Samuel to the Niners. I said, look, this guy makes a lot of sense. Uh, I I probably wouldn't have made this pick, but I would have very much liked Amari Rogers on this team. He went to Green Bay, which of course he did, <laughs> um, but... Uh, I was very much hoping for Asante Samuel Jr. to kind of shore up the secondary, but um, that wasn't in the cards for the Niners. They're always, you know, again, when everyone zigs, they zag. And, of course, this pick to me, and again, a lot of these picks are, even the Jalen Moore pick to a certain degree is like this as well, where, hey, 
the entire offseason, they focused on the offensive line. Of course, getting back all your free agents, bringing back Trent Williams to not only be the left tackle of 2021, but also for the next five seasons um, for Trey Lance, but also re- uh, or signing Alex Mack to be the center for the next three seasons, hopefully, if he can stay healthy and, and decides not to retire in a few years. But also then, let's bring in a new right guard. Um, let's let's give the depth offensive line uh, some versatility. Brunskill has been rumored to play center maybe or kind of slide around the offensive line and whatever they can fill a hole. Uh, Justin School is still there. McKivitz, I know a lot of the, the Niners team does have high hopes for him and hopes that he can be a backup guard eventually or maybe possibly a starting guard, but he does need time to develop uh, under Tomlinson and, and Williams and McGlinchey and eventually Banks and Brunskill. Um, but like there is high hopes that they've added versatility with the depth they've had. That was a big strength in 2019 when they were going on their playoff run was that Skule can play left tackle, he can play right tackle, uh, and Brunskill can step in and play guard, and, and they can kind of have this. They can, they can have this newly added versatility behind their starting offensive lineman, which is what they've added uh, with the Banks and the Jalen Moore pick in the fifth round. Now again. I think, obviously, second-round pick offensive lineman, you're expecting him to start day one. Uh, again, because there is a lot of, again, kind of inconsistency where some people like the picks and people are kind of like, ah, you could have got something else there, and some people find out don't like the pick. Uh, I like Aaron Banks. I think we have seen, since the beginning, Kyle Shanahan values footwork in almost every single position on the field, at least offensively whether it's the quarterbacks or the running backs or the receivers, especially offensive linemen, if you do not have the footwork, Kyle Shanahan doesn't want you. Uh, McGlinchey has footwork. Trent Williams has footwork. Uh, Aaron Banks has footwork. Now, again, going from Trent Williams to McGlinchey, it's a big disparity there in regards to tackle talent, but Aaron Banks, I do think, while not solidify the right guard position this season, can add some consistency to it and allow guys like Brunskill who did play great against Aaron Donald can allow him to kind of uh, be that swing uh, right guard and swing tackle and kind of play those positions uh the third round pick again Trey Sermon they traded up to get Trey Sermon uh, I love this pick again I I don't think many of us would have said they're going to take a running back <laughs> early in this draft and the more I thought about it, there are concerns there as well. Obviously, he was hurt in Oklahoma. He got hurt at Ohio State. Um, there are concerns with Trey Sermon. But if he's healthy, and the way Kyle Shanahan likes to organize the running back room, you're going to have Mostert and Wilson and maybe Gallman, Hasty, Walter. Uh, and you're going to add Trey Sermon to it. And let's not forget Jeff Wilson Jr., like, there, there's six guys in there, and obviously, you know, you're going to have your Mostert, your Sermons, your Gallmans, your Jeff Wilsons who take the lead. Uh, but guys like Hastings Walter, to a certain degree, did show some flashes where they can be a depth running back in case someone goes down. Like, they have five or six guys who can come in and be effective, at least in short bursts. And hopefully guys like Mostert and Sermon, who have had injuries in the past, can stay healthy. Uh, and hopefully having that much depth in the running back room can again, allow fresher legs throughout the entire season. They got 17 games now. You're not playing 16 games anymore, and one extra game can spell doom. We saw it all last year, the Jets game, the Giants game, uh, the, the, the Seahawks game the first time around. Like, a lot of guys were going down quick, and so uh, it, it pays to have that much depth on the roster. I love the Sermon pick. If he can stay healthy, he has that physicality Kyle Shanahan loves in his running backs, even though he isn't the fastest guy. 
underrated speed in open space. Uh, I forgot who said it exactly, and, and I wish I can give them credit, but he mentioned that while Sherman doesn't have, you know, the you know the great 40 time or the breakaway speed, he can give you that 30-yard uh, He's not going to be the Mostert who gives you the 70-yard touchdown burst uh, or kind of, you know, that, that, that big splash play from the 20-yard line or your own 20-yard line, but he is the guy who says, hey, if you're inside the 45 of the other team or inside the 35, I can get you to the end zone. And I think that's something Kyle Shanahan values knowing now he can kind of he can move guys like Mostert and Sermon and Gallman and Hasty and Walter and Jeff Wilson Jr. kind of mix them in throughout and keep all their legs fresh as the season goes on and continue to kind of have that same skill set in with Mostert as well. Uh, the other guys are Ambry Thomas in the third round. He was their comp pick. Uh, the one thing I like about Thomas is he's a man corner. He said it himself. He's on he's on 95-7 the game with Kate Bonte and Joe Shasky. Uh, on the morning roast, and he mentioned, like, hey, like, I am a man corner, uh, and I think that is something that you might see them kind of move towards this year, while not entirely getting away from the scheme. You could see uh, Ambry Thomas, uh, w- with his man coverage skill set, you can see maybe Demeco Ryan's implementing that into the secondary going forward. Again, could be, could not be, but again, you don't draft a man coverage corner uh, and not play man. Now, again, this all depends on, you know, how the offense lines up and, and what the play call is. And again, there are always times when a defense is playing zone and man. But again, I think Ambry Thomas is someone who, and he said it himself, that in the toughest situations, that's when I play my best. And Ambry Thomas has proven that he is one of the best man coverage corners in college football. Didn't play last year because the man coverage has been one of the best man coverage corners in college football. I think the Niners got a steal in the third round, if, again, if, if he can stay healthy. Uh, but Ambry Thomas, I think, could easily... I already mentioned Jalen Moore. Again, he's going to be a project offensive lineman. Again, the feet thing is what enticed San Francisco to him. He can play the guard and tackle like they're going to be a guard. Tomlinson uh, and Brunskill and Banks, they are probably going to fill in that guard position with McKivitz as well. Uh, and again, to me, if you, if you have Tomlinson and Moore and Mack and Brunskill, and Banks, and McKivitz, whoever it may be, that's a pretty good interior offensive line group to have. And I think San Francisco has kind of set themselves up to have, you know, they have the clear-cut starter. In case this guy goes down, you are equipped enough to step in in his place. Uh, moving down the order, uh, Diamondor Lenore, uh, future nickel cornerback. I want to get into later in the show, that being uh, the, the Richard Sherman rumors, is that uh, Lenore and Sherman are very close together. Lenore's brother is actually a Niner fan, and Sherman and him, being Sherman and Lenore himself, have been in contact, uh, and they know each other pretty well. Lenore obviously went to Oregon. Sherman, you know, played in Seattle for a long time, played in California, obviously, and Lenore, I think, lives in L.A., um, so like, there is some connection there. But I do think the Niners made these picks with the idea of Barrett's on a one-year deal, K-1's on a one-year deal, and even the next picks, uh, Talanoa Hufanga, he's an inbox safety, Marshall Harris on a one-year deal. This was them possibly replacing expensive, older, secondary pieces on one-year deals with younger guys who have, I don't want to say the same skill set, because they don't have this this season, but he is someone you can rely on eventually to say, hey, we have a valuable replacement for him in the wings, and then you give these guys one year to develop like Embry Thomas is not going to be or need to be CB1 this season 
Barrett's still there. They bring back Sherman. Thomas then falls further down the pecking order, allowing him to develop more and gain experience more. Uh, Hufanga, uh, he's not going to have a need to start day one. Tart's there. Tavon Wilson's there. Jimmy Ward's there. Tavarius Moore's there. And even Marcel Harris is still there. But again, all these guys are on one-year deals, being Barrett, Williams, and uh, and Harris. So it to me, this seemed like the Niners were putting themselves in a position to let veterans leave next year while giving these young guys uh, valuable experience and a possible time to kind of get their feet wet in the NFL. But I do love all of their skill sets. Hufanga is going to be phenomenal in this scheme if he is put in the position to succeed. If he is if he is that inbox safety, Hufanga will be phenomenal. He's too small to be a linebacker, but he's too big to be a safety. Um, I don't want to throw the name Mark Barron out there. Uh, but again, think Marcel Harris. Think someone who isn't the greatest in coverage, but you put him in the box, he's a whole different player. I do think Hufanga can be that. Not to mention, it does help when he has been working out with Trey Polamalu. Uh, whenever you get to work out with a Hall of Fame talent like Polamalu, who wrecked the NFL for a decade and a half, like that is something you look out for and say, look, this is the perfect mentor for someone like Hufanga, who, I don't want to say he's a thumper, but he does have these elite traits and instincts to play in the box, and that's someone like Palomalu who was great in coverage, but also was phenomenal inside the box, and I think uh, Palomalu, I said it before, with Trey Lance and Shanahan, uh, Palomalu was someone who could unlock maybe that next level of Hufanga, kind of show him, hey, you're great here, let me show you how to be elite in the box, and I think Hufanga's pick is a great value pick in the sixth round. Their final pick, Elijah Mitchell, Kick return and punt returner, that's what I see his role being as, especially since the Niners did not draft a receiver. Again, Austin Watkins, I have high hopes for him. Uh, I, I don't know exactly, again, who put this out there, but there were some draft boards who had him as their number two receiver and number five receiver. Um, again, you can think of that what you want, knowing Waddle and Smith and Chase were also on the board, but again, when you have people out there saying Austin Watkins is probably one of the most underrated picks. I had him going in the sixth round knowing how great the receiver depth was, but there were people out there known as draft experts who were saying this kid uh, should have been picked in the fourth round, in the third round, and the Niners had to sign him as an undrafted free agent. I love that pickup, but knowing that, knowing that they didn't draft a receiver, uh, that means guys like Richie James Jr., Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel, they should not be likely doing punt returns any longer. There's no reason to have them out there. There's no reason to risk them being out there. Uh, a guy like Elijah Mitchell, if he wants a chance to make this roster, I think him being a punt return, kick return specialist. Now, again, he's much more than that, but he is someone who can kind of take that load off of someone like Richie James, off Brandon Ayuk, who... In this offense, James is going to have to step up with them not drafting a wide receiver. And I do think James currently, you know, the depth chart is what Samuel Ayuk uh, and kind of a, you know, is Jalen Hurd healthy? Like, who's receiver number three? That position's up in the air. Uh, and James has had, he's one of the receivers in the offense that has had some success. Now, Travis Benjamin's there. Jalen Hurd's still there. Jawan Jennings is still there. Muhammad Sanu is there as a veteran backup. There are plenty of guys that can fit in that role, but Richie James Jr. 
will definitely get his chance. And I do think Elijah Mitchell uh, can kind of scoop up the return specialist role in the offense this season if James does eventually buy himself more time or buy a more prevalent role in the offense. But let's be honest here. The reason why you came to the podcast, the reason why you clicked on it to listen other than my wonderful, soothing radio announcing voice is because you wanted to talk about Trey Lance. You wanted to have a conversation about the number three overall pick, Trey Lance. That's who I want to talk about. That's who I uh, have predicted to be the pick for the last month and a half, last two months. And so when I look at the draft, tying everything we've talked about so far together, when I look at the Aaron Banks pick and the Jalen Moore pick and the Trey Sermon pick, everything the Niners did offensively this offseason was, in my opinion, to not only improve Jimmy Garoppolo's trade stock, and trade value by one, protecting him, getting another running back in the room in case Garoppolo maybe has some lingering injuries, like an ankle maybe again, or whatever could be bothering him, but also protect him with an improved offensive line. Trent Williams, Lakin Tomlinson, the signing of Alex Mack, the drafting of Aaron Banks, McGlinchey's back at right tackle. This offseason, this draft, was very much to say, hey, we have our quarterback of the future, Now let's maximize our quarterback of the present so that when our quarterback of the future takes over, we can get him more weapons. We can maximize the quarterback of the future by maximizing the quarterback of the present. Maximize Jimmy, get his trade value up, trade him for a second or a late late first round draft pick, depending on who needs a quarterback at that time. My mind goes to Washington, maybe. Uh, Martin Mayhew's there now. Uh, Fitzpatrick's on a one-year deal. Washington should probably be 7-10, and 10, maybe 8-9 and nine this season. I can easily see them saying, hey, we are not in a position to draft a quarterback. Let's get Garoppolo in for a year. We have the cap to pay him. Let's get us a bridge quarterback for a season. Let's trade up for a quarterback as well. And let's get our guy, have him sit under Garoppolo. And then everything's all happy endings <laughs> to, to end. The Niners get their first or second round pick again. or back for Garoppolo and Washington gets what they want. But again, that's speculation. But I think what is true is that, again, the Niners want to win now. They want to maximize the quarterback, that being Jimmy Garoppolo, now in hopes that his value increases. They can trade him to then maximize, maybe get Trey Lance that number three overall receiver. Get him that, that deep threat. Get him... You know, when you when when Shanahan was in Atlanta, get him that Taylor Gabriel, get him that maybe that Julio Jones type of receiver, so they can maximize their new Super Bowl window when Trey Lance eventually does take over. But then the other message they sent was, "Hey Trey Lance, we just went through three years of a window of our quarterback getting hurt the majority of the time." High hopes in 2017, 5-0, done for the entire season in 2018, 2019, Super Bowl window, it's open, we're seven minutes away, and then it all comes crashing down. 2020, it's the revenge tour, oh, then he misses almost the entire season, then all the rumors flood in. Like, they were sending a message saying, hey, we're not doing this again. We are not going to idly sit by and have to play Nick Mullins and C.J. Beathard for the majority of two seasons because Garoppolo can't stay healthy. We are going to protect you. We are going to get you an incredible running back room 
in case you need more time to adapt to the NFL. We are going to give you more weapons, a.k.a. Brandon Ayuk, lock up George Kittle, Debo Samuel, give you Aaron Banks, give you Jalen Moore, give you Alex Mack, give you Trent Williams to kind of be your security blanket so we don't have to go through what we just went through the last three seasons. We cannot suffer in another lost season in San Francisco. Hey, Trey Lance, lead us while we protect you. That's that's the clear-cut message I got from this draft. Maximize Jimmy, protect Trey Lance. Maximize Jimmy to maximize Trey Lance. While they, and do, protect Trey Lance. I think it's very clear-cut what the idea was. Again, I don't think they are going into the draft saying, hey, let's send a message. What they're saying is, like, how do we maximize every opportunity we have? And the Niners did that in almost every single pick they did this year. Not only for this year in 2021, but also 2022 and 2023, all while Trey Lance is on his rookie deal. In a year, they can extend Fred Warner. The salary cap goes up. They can sign certain free agents. They can bring back certain guys. Everything they did, and this this cannot be overstated, the Niners nailed the offseason. They hit home runs in almost every single category possible. And, And then that gets us to, well, why isn't Trey Lance starting week one? And look, it's tough because I want to see Trey Lance play. You want to see Trey Lance play. Why wouldn't you want to see Trey Lance play? You know, it's like when your parents bring home this shiny new toy, but then they put it up in a case and say, wait five months for Christmas. You know, it's like when, you know, you, when you're younger and maybe you didn't do this, but I know I did this. Hey, 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 mom, hey, dad, like I want this for Christmas. You know what you're getting? And you're sitting there going, I can't wait to play it. I can't wait to do it. I can't wait to use it. But the agony of having to wait to use it is like, I'm I'm impatient. I want to open the shiny new toy. I want to use the shiny new toy. Or even it's the night, or it's Christmas Eve night. The presents are under the tree. Maybe you have the stockings up, and you know that gift you wanted is downstairs. You, you see the, you know, the, the bike wrapped up, and it's so blatantly obvious it's a brand new bike, and you can't wait to play it. It's a 10 speed. It has, has all the, you know, the, the new tips and tricks, whatever it will be. But your parents say, one more night, one more night, one more week, one more year, then you can play with it. Well, you're going to get upset. You're going to get impatient. You're going to run downstairs, rip it open, and oh. But then you risk the consequence of your parents getting you know mad at you, you getting you know the repercussions of being impatient. And that's exactly what this Trey Lance timeline is. People want Trey Lance to start. Rightfully so. You want to use that shiny new toy. You want to ride the new bike. You want to open the new toy. You want to play with it. You want to see how it works. You want to see it throw a 70-yard touchdown pass to George Kittle. You want to see it put up a 40 spot against the Seahawks in Seattle in prime time. I get it. Trust me, I can't wait to see that. But the issue is, there are repercussions for opening up that shiny new toy too soon. One that shiny new toy is not ready to play in the NFL yet. And and Kyle Shanahan, I think this kind of flew under the radar, but Kyle Shanahan, he pretty much openly said on the Rich Eisen show last week, he said, look, 
there isn't a competition. There, there is not a competition. Jimmy Garoppolo is too good of a player, too good of a quarterback. He, he knows the system too well for Trey Lance to even compete. And when Trey Lance is ready to compete, we'll know it. The guys will know it. And then we'll have a competition on our hand. Of course, I am obviously, uh, you know, shortening that quote and kind of giving you the gist of it. But the exact quote was, there is no competition. Because Jimmy Garoppolo is too good of a quarterback right now. He knows the system too well right now. And so, this idea that we have to rush Trey Lance there. Yes, he's working out with Brandon Ayuk this offseason, as he should. He should be working out with Brandon Ayuk this offseason. Gain chemistry in the offense. That's the plan, right? Let him sit for a year. Even Albert Breer said, I think it was yesterday or last night, maybe maybe it was this morning, that being uh, May 10th, Monday, May 10th, he said that I think when they picked Trey Lance, it took Jimmy Garoppolo off the trade block unless they were somehow wowed by an offer. And that's what I was saying the entire time, was that teams like New England, teams like Chicago, teams like Washington, teams like, I don't know, Carolina, who were in the running for a quarterback, well, they weren't going to trade for Garoppolo. Um, because there's going to be four other quarterbacks, three other quarterbacks on the board still when they pick. And lo and behold, well... Chicago got their guy, Justin Fields. New England got their guy, Justin Fields. Carolina got, or excuse me, New England got Mac Jones. Carolina got Sam Darnold. It's like, there were really, like, <laughs> like, come on now. Like, there were legitimate reasons to think that Jimmy Garoppolo and Trey Lance are going to be the QB1 and QB2 in the Niners quarterback room. And there is a very good reason as to why Trey Lance shouldn't start. He hasn't played football in a single year. And I get it. People are going to say, well, he hasn't played in a year. Shouldn't that mean he plays this year? And I do think that he he's going to play in all four preseason games, likely, unless something crazy happens. You knock on wood, hope not. But he'll probably play in all four preseason games. And I do think, maybe not week one, week two, but I think as the season progresses, we will see some sprinkling of Trey Lance in to kind of get his feet wet, knowing that in 2022 he will take over the franchise. He will be the franchise quarterback. But come week one, come week two, come week three, whatever week it is, like you're not going to see Trey Lance likely for the first six weeks of the season. Unless Garoppolo is totally awful, he can't throw a touchdown, or he gets hurt again. If Garoppolo gets hurt, here comes Trey Lance. But again, Trey Lance doesn't know the playbook yet entirely. Very smart kid. There's a reason why They've talked about how smart he is. Kyle Shanahan values you being able to learn the playbook, pick up with it quickly. That was one of the big knocks on Jimmy Garoppolo early in his Niners tenure. He's not learning the playbook quick enough for Kyle Shanahan's liking. That is not going to be a problem with Trey Lance. The issue is, Garoppolo had been in the league for four seasons, three seasons. He knew how the NFL worked, and he sat behind the greatest quarterback of all time, that being Tom Brady, and arguably one of the greatest systems of all time, that being Bill Belichick slash Josh McDaniel's offense. Trey Lance hasn't even stepped foot on the practice facility in Santa Clara yet, and people are saying he needs to start week one. The Niners are not in a position like Jacksonville or New York. They have a luxury with Jimmy Garoppolo. A quarterback sitting has never hurt a quarterback, ever. People want to bring up Justin Herbert. The stats were great. I get it. 
But the plan in LA was for him to sit behind Terod Taylor. I guarantee you, had he sat behind Terod Taylor, learned a little more, gained more experience, see how other defenses scheme for him, see how to uh, point out the mic and learn other things, like simplistic things and, and, and learn the intricacies of the NFL. Now, Trey Lance worked under center plenty at North Dakota State. That was a reason why a lot of Niner fans, including myself, said he's the pick. He fits Kyle Shanahan's system to a T and then does everything else better. <laughs> he's more mobile and everything. But having Garoppolo here, one, he can not only teach Trey Lance, which he's very open to doing so, as you can see by all his press conferences, but also it allows Trey Lance to be groomed by Kyle Shanahan. To say, hey, let let Garoppolo go out there, and if he's going to fail, he fails. But you're not going to fail. And, and to a certain degree, you can kind of protect Trey Lance from that. There are no expectations on Trey Lance in 2021, nor should they be. Like, that weight is not on his shoulders. And that's the best thing for a rookie quarterback who's 21 years old, turned 21 yesterday, on Mother's Day. Hey, who hasn't played a snap in almost over a year who hasn't even stepped foot on the practice field yet. Like, there is no pressure on him, and that's exactly what it should be. And playing in week one, week two, is going to add an immense amount of pressure on him. Now, he may be able to take that pressure, but what is the point of adding added pressure to a 21-year-old kid who hasn't played in over a year, doesn't know the system, and is just now getting his feet wet in the NFL? So again, be patient. Do not open that brand new bike sitting on your Christmas tree. Wait for Christmas Day. Wait for the right time to do so. Maybe it's eight weeks. Maybe it's in one year. Because in one year, you'll be able to appreciate that new bike. You'll be able to look back and see, wow, the, the patience I had made opening up that present ten times better. The ability for Trey Lance to sit should not be viewed as a knock on him. It is a luxury to have a quarterback that is taking you to a Super Bowl because it gives you the young quarterback you're going to put the entire franchise on his shoulders the ability to take it all in day at a time and not rush him. He doesn't have to jump four steps ahead. He can take step by step. He can take it one step at a time. And that is one luxury the majority of franchise quarterbacks do not have. So that's the beauty of having Jimmy Garoppolo. That's the beauty of why the Niners ace the offseason, and that's why Trey Lance shouldn't play week one. He shouldn't play week five. He will play when Shanahan notices he's ready. And when he's ready, we all worried, I hope they don't pick Mac Jones. I hope they make the right choice. Kyle Shanahan made the right choice. Let's trust him to make the right choice in the development of Trey Lance. And in my opinion, that is him sitting for eight to 17 weeks, eight weeks to a year, letting him take over in 2021, maximizing Jimmy Garoppolo, so you can then trade Garoppolo to maximize Trey Lance. That is the most logical and easiest explanation. You can sprinkle Trey Lance into plays. I would love the goal line run, the Tim Tebow jump pass at the goal line for a touchdown. Let him play a little bit, get it, get his feet wet in week 10, week 12, open the offense a little bit for him. If, if we're blowing out teams early, and in the fourth quarter, it's 45 to 10, put in Trey Lance. That way, in a situation like last year's New England game, D 
Debo Samuel, Garoppolo, Ayuk do not have to be on the field. You can give guys the opportunity to get their feet wet. So Trey Lance should not play week one. He shouldn't play until like week 10 or 12. And you can make the argument, and I would make it, he shouldn't play for a whole season unless something like Garoppolo getting hurt happens or the entire sky falls down and we're somehow in this post-apocalyptic universe where the Niners need Trey Lance to step up. But Trey Lance should not play week one, and his timeline should be pushed back as far as it can be until 2022 unless something changes to maximize him as day one in 2022 franchise quarterback. That's the best case scenario, and it should be followed out that way. The Niners can't the Niners can't afford Trey Lance to lose a season to develop. And that's why 2021 is so important for him to sit under Garoppolo to when he does take over, not lose a season because he's developing still. Development happens now under Garoppolo. Let Garoppolo take those hits. Let Garoppolo take those chances. Let Garoppolo go out there and win you a playoff game. Let Garoppolo, maybe, probably not, but maybe, win you a Super Super Bowl. And then 2022, Trey Lance takes over, and the window's still open. He's learned. He's developed. He's still fresh. And you have a 2020, or you have a 22-year-old kid who hasn't been touched in a year, and he's ready to go from day one. But then this other story came out that I kind of, when I heard it, I pushed back and I said, why, why? <laughs> uh, Tony Pauline from the Draft Network, uh, he said the Niners wanted to sign Andy Dalton in free agency as a veteran quarterback. Again, that's true. They were connected to him. Then they traded, or, or and he was mad that uh, the Niners couldn't trade Jimmy Garoppolo and then draft Trey Lance. So then Kyle Shanahan was upset that the Niners couldn't sign Andy Dalton trade Garoppolo and still draft Trey Lance. Now, to me, the timeline of this doesn't make sense because in the midst of the Andy Dalton conversation, it was before Trent Williams even signed. And if you look, that the Niners had called the Dolphins on May on March 3rd to trade up to the number three overall pick. They officially made their offer on March 4th, that, that being the Hall of you know, first-round draft picks, according to Peter King. So the conversation then is, okay, Trey Lance, Andy Dalton, that was the plan. That was the plan all along. But the only reason why that was the plan was because San Francisco was unsure if they were going to have the money to sign Trent Williams. But again, listen to how Kyle Shanahan talks. Listen to how John Lynch talks. The Niners would have easily said, we value Trent Williams over Jimmy Garoppolo because they knew they were going to get Trey Lance and they knew how important left tackle was. But again, they do think Jimmy Garoppolo is a better quarterback than Andy Dalton. Look how they talk about him. You're bringing in a veteran quarterback who doesn't know the system that well, who would need to build chemistry with the offense, who would probably be a placeholder who could arguably give you another lost season simply because he doesn't know the system that well. I, I like Andy Dalton. He's a serviceable quarterback, had a great career early in Cincinnati. But Jimmy Garoppolo is a better quarterback than Andy Dalton right now. And the idea that Shanahan was pretty upset because they couldn't get Dalton, trade Garoppolo, and then draft Trey Lance, to me, you have to look at the timeline. That was when 
they were in the midst of the Trent Williams negotiations and were wondering if, hey, can, can, can we even bring back Trent? Is Kansas City going to steal Trent from us? So the idea that Kyle Shanahan is upset still or was upset and was irate that they couldn't trade Garoppolo, it's only because they value Trent Williams 10 times more than Garoppolo, knowing Garoppolo likely will not be on the team next year. So when you read a story like this from Tony Pauline of the Draft Network, be skeptical because and, and, and ask questions. Ask, hey, uh, when, where, how, why? Simple, you know, seventh, you know, seventh grade English questions. When, where, how, why? When did it happen? Why did it happen? Uh, what was the circumstance around the quote that being in the midst of free agency in March wondering, hey, we're not going to be able to bring back Trent Williams because we have Garoppolo taking up $24 million of our cap room. That's why there there was this conversation happening. But I don't buy this uh, as it being current. Don't believe it. Uh, but, I, but I do think at the time there were concerns. Uh, Dalton was the plan B. Ultimately, San Francisco got their plan A. And you can even argue they got their plan A. AA. <laughs> like they got the plan A plus. They got everything they wanted of the offseason and more. So let's not go thinking that Shanahan hates Garoppolo like we all thought through the entire year or that it was put out there the entire year. Let's go out there thinking that Garoppolo and Shanahan relationship is great. It's also a business. We have to understand that. Garoppolo knows that. Shanahan knows that. But their relationship is fine. Look how they talk about each other. Look how Shanahan gushed about Garoppolo in his in his uh, post-draft press conference and on the Rich Eisen show. Like Garoppolo is quarterback one in 2021 going into the year until Trey Lance proves himself. Otherwise, he's not mad they couldn't get rid of Garoppolo. He got his left tackle. Everything's okay. The Niners are plugged in, ready to go. And 2021 should be a phenomenal season for the 49ers, and this this frayed relationship of Garoppolo and Shanahan does not exist. But, one thing that does exist is the rumors that are connecting Richard Sherman and the 49ers, as well as Tony Jefferson to the 49ers, and I'm sure you're thinking, well, who is Tony Jefferson? I haven't heard that name in so long. Tony Jefferson... Uh, is a veteran safety, used to play for the Cardinals and the Ravens in his prime, had a great prime, um, but injuries did catch up with him. But he's making a comeback, and it's funny that we heard that him and the Niners were connected earlier in the offseason. Um, he was taking a visit per Josina Anderson, and then things kind of died down. Then, then there was rumors that he's signing in the next week. Then there was rumors that he's signing after the draft. Now we're about a week, a little, little over a week removed from the NFL draft, and so... Uh, Tony Jefferson is still out there on the market, but me being the investigative journalist that I am, uh, Jefferson posted on Twitter and I was like, hey, like, when are we going to see you announce to the Niners? He liked the tweet. Again, doesn't mean much. He could be trolling, but it seems very clear that Tony Jefferson and the Niners have a connection. There's a good chance he signs. Again, that does then push guys like Harris, Hufanga, it pushes them down the pecking order, which is what I've been saying the entire time, uh, which then goes into the Sherman conversation of, hey, you bring back Sherman, who, who they have had preliminary conversations. The, the Niners and Sherman have had talks, uh, per Chris Biederman of the Sacramento Bee, they've been having conversations about, hey, do you want to come back? What's it going to cost? Simple stuff like that. 
Um, but I think bringing back Sherman, more so than Jefferson, but Sherman is imperative to this young, new secondary group. Um, you go look at all the cornerbacks that have come in and out of the Niners' uh, defense over the last few years. Even look at you know guys like Fred Warner and Nick Bosa. Uh, Sherman can teach those players. Sherman has taught some of your favorite 49er defensive players, some of your all-pro defensive 49er players. He's taught Emmanuel Mosley. They have talked about how important he's been um, in their progression in the NFL. And losing someone like Sherman, and, and, and I will admit, he's definitely taken a step back. He's older. He's had surgeries. He's had the injuries. And again, it all depends on money and the role he wants to play. But if Casey Hayward's getting four mil, well... Sherman, you can have five mil and I'll give you incentives. Like, like there's a way to work this thing out. And he doesn't have to be CB1. He doesn't have to be CB2. You can work and, and rotate him and Mosley while Sherman then becomes kind of like that coach cornerback, you know what I mean? Like, he can then coach Ambry Thomas. He can coach uh, Lenore. He can coach, continue to coach guys like Mosley uh, and hopefully in the end continue to coach guys like Tim Harris and kind of build them, them up to be this next great secondary in San Francisco, which we haven't had in, I don't know how many years. Like the last time I can remember us even having a great cornerback other than Sherman was Deion Sanders. Well, Ahmed Plummer was all right. Mike Rumpf really wasn't that great despite being a first round pick. Uh, Carlos Rogers, Walt Harris, Nick Clements. I mean, those guys had their good days, had their bad days. Carlos Rogers was great for a year in San Francisco. Um, we haven't had those like great on-ball, ball-hawking cornerbacks. And while Sherman always isn't that, I do think if you can, uh, if you can pair up Thomas's that being Ambry Thomas's skill set, who is a man corner, ball hawk style corner, with Sherman's intellect, I mean, how do you not want that? How do you not sign up for that? And, and then you pair that with Lenore. And Kwan Williams, them teaching each other. You 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 pair Lenore with Sherman, who they already have a bond. Like bringing back Sherman as a quasi coach rotational player makes too much sense for it not to happen. But again, it all depends on money. But to me, bringing back Richard Sherman is a no brainer for the Niners if they want this next crop of secondary pieces, this next crop of hopeful secondary starters to learn and grow quickly in the NFL. And if you're going to learn from somebody, why not learn from the best? And again, that also goes to Tony Jefferson. The way I look at Jefferson is he's a guy who hasn't played for five seasons, four seasons, uh, battled his way back. I think he has plenty left in the tank. He can give you two to three years. He hasn't taken those hits for a long time. He's smart. When he's healthy, he's proven to be a pretty good safety in the NFL. And behind a guy like Tart. And and Marcel Harris and Hufanga and, and Tavon Wilson and Jimmy Ward and Tavares Moore, you can always have another depth uh, uh, safety on the roster in case one of these guys go down to add more leadership to possibly give you a playmaker who you don't have now. So I am fully on board with at least having a camp body of Tony Jefferson to kind of give this secondary more talent. And if you add Sherman. And if you add Jefferson, and if you add, you know, the, the other seven picks they had in the draft, eight picks they had in the draft, like the Niners have, when healthy, again, always a big question, if healthy, when healthy, they arguably have the best roster in the NFL. 
Like, you add in Jalen Hurd, Trey Sermon, Aaron Banks, eventually Trey Lance, uh, hopefully Ambry Thomas, Richard Sherman, Jefferson, Verrett, Bosa's back, uh, Kinlaw, Armstead, D4 possibly, Samson Ebukam, Fred Warner, Greenlaw. You add all these guys in here, and I haven't even mentioned Kittle and Trent Williams and, and McGlinchey and Ayuk and Debo in that group and Mostert. I haven't mentioned all these guys yet. That's the best roster in the NFL, hands down. They have weaknesses here and there that can be exploited, but that is the best roster, hands down. So bringing back Sherman and, and signing Jefferson can only put this team over the top. It can only benefit this Niners roster going forward. And if they do sign, if the Niners do sign Sherman and do sign Tony Jefferson, you can find that news out the quickest if you follow us on social media, Twitter at 49ers underscore access, Instagram 49ers.access. You are not going to want to miss a thing, and you will not miss a thing if you are following us on social media. Don't forget to like, share, subscribe, leave a review. My name is Sterling Bennett. Again, thank you for listening so much. This has been the best stretch of the 49er Access podcast we've ever had. I appreciate every single one of you. Again, don't forget to follow us on social media. Let's have these conversations on social media together. This has been the 49er Access Podcast. And until next time, stay faithful.